I mean, it's it's a battle out there. Both teams, uh, are, like I said, are physical, and um, the intensity is ramping up. And um, yeah, uh, that's just how it is this time here. After game two of the Stars and Blue series in the second round, this is the KSDK Sports Plus podcast. We got a full house in here today Frank Cusimano, Mike Bush, and Craig Moeller making his debut on the program. Uh, you guys been watching? Can watch- we say back by popular demand, mostly his own? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you, you guys, it. you guys didn't know that you missed me, but you missed me. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did last week. Yeah. <laughs> so Blues, right now when we're recording this, it's a tie series. They're heading back to Dallas. Um, does anybody feel any differently after seeing that second game? Uh, compared to the first game, we still pretty high on the Blues or not so much? Well, we're high, but it doesn't change anything. I think we all knew going in that this was going to be a long series. And, look, if I'm not a betting person. Well, I did just lose a bet on July. <laughs> but you just knew that Ben Bishop was going to come out and play a great game, too. And you just had a feeling Dallas is going to win the game. It's just the way things work in the NHL playoffs now. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we know is when they when they were up against Winnipeg, the feeling was there's no way the Blues are going to be able to win in that building in Winnipeg because it's such a tough place to play. And they went ahead and they won three games in Winnipeg. So we know they've been a pretty good road t- team uh, in the playoffs. And uh, I think you said it best, Frank, when this, this series started. This is not going to be an easy series, and it's going to go probably seven games. The physicality, though. I mean, wh- just the intensity back and forth. And, you know, I, I started to go, you know, at times you could just feel the energy going back and forth between the teams, but it started to get a little chippy, to- especially towards the end of game two. And you saw some of the shots, um, you know, Perron getting into it a yeah. little bit. And then we had uh, Tarasenko, you know, mixing it well, up. It was, I've got that down here. They just harassed Tarasenko all night. You and Cam actually talked about it a lot on the post-game show afterwards. Jamie Benn was on him almost the whole game just just on him the whole time and kind of upset him a little bit. Uh, Smart on their part, though. That's what you do. If you're not as good as Tarasenko, you try to beat the tar out of him. And that's what they did. Now the Blues got a counter. And I thought that Pareko, um, I thought Pat Maroon, a little bit later in the game, started to, you know, kind of set the physicality. So they have to counter, and I imagine with their head coach, they will. Here's what's interesting about the building in Dallas. They're not going to be any St. Louis fans in that building because they're not allowing St. Louisans to buy tickets. Isn't that weak? It is so weak. It is ridiculous. First of all, there wouldn't be that many anyway. That's why I'm confused. Like, sometimes this happens, like, Cubs and Brewers series, they do this a lot, when Cubs fans just invade Miller Park. Yeah. But this is Dallas and St. Louis. I don't even know why this was necessary to restrict the ticket sales. They fear the Blues, and they're not going to give them any any opportunity to have any type of support down there at all. And, you know, I mean, good for them, but it's still really weak. It is amazing that these teams go into these buildings where it's just everybody in the world against you, like the Blues did in Winnipeg, which yeah. seats 15, but is as passionate as any atmosphere. And they come up and they win games. That, that's what I find fascinating about the league because it's and, so hostile. And some teams actually thrive yeah. off of it. So sure. we'll see what the Blues do. So Jamie Bennett always seems just kills the Blues, no matter if it's the playoffs or whatever. And he's always a pest. I've got down here, maybe get some conversation here. Who in the past, really in the playoffs, comes to mind? It's like a blues pest. Mike Ricci, Hmm. who had the biggest nose in the history of sports. (laughs) (laughs) And just a nasty, mean-spirited guy. Probably a fine person in real life. But, oh, did I hate this guy. The blues hated him. 
Yeah, he was easy to hate. Or if you go further back, Chris Chelios, he oh, used to yeah. call oh, the Blues yeah. crazy. He was just so good, too. He was good, but both Detroit and Chicago. Prediction? I hadn't heard oh. that name in a while. Yeah. yeah, that's going back. Prediction on the series going forward, how many games do you think it takes for the Blues to win? I think seven. I think seven. this series really? is going seven games. Yeah, going in, I was thinking Blues in six, but it may go. Could it end uh, a week from the day in Dallas? I don't know. I'd, I'd probably lean towards seven also. Well, they went seven two years ago. Was it two or three years ago? Two. It was 20 yeah. years. Okay. Hey, real, real quick, before you know, we get past the Blues, I wanted to ask you guys, have you guys been thinking, has Tarasenko been playing a more physical game? Like, it, you know, it seemed like I always thought of him as such a finesse player, but I've been watching, maybe it's just his own level of frustration with bodies hanging on him and, and all, everything, but it seems to me like he's been pushing back a little more. Well, I, I don't know if, if that's true. It's it's hard for me to, to get that perspective. What I do know is he's making some really good skaters look really, yeah. really bad oh, yeah. because yeah. he he makes moves that you know that nobody he, else can make in the league. It's really pretty impressive. I have well, seen when he went through that drought earlier in the year, uh, it's clear that Coach Barubi said that you have got to go to the net. And in game one, he was the best player on the ice because he got to the net. He tried doing that. I was going to bring that up. He tried. He used his body just to get behind a guy and straight up just hold him off and almost score. Yeah. Well, he tried that move he again. He is a tank. Yeah. I mean, he, he, is, guy. he, built. he yeah. is a tank. He's built. Yeah. So let's move on. To Drew Locke and Frank. the NFL Drew draft. Locke, Frank. Hey, no, I'm, we're not going to be on a Frank. Somebody get Frank a tissue. Where, where's that box of tissues? I want to make Frank look kind of smart here, at least kind of smart. Here, listen to this. No organization has shown more interest in Drew Locke than the Denver Broncos. You know why? Because he's 6'4", 225, who just threw for 12,000 freaking yards in college with 99 touchdowns. All right, so it didn't happen in the first good. round, but Drew did go to Denver. I think it's a good fit for him. Uh, Frank, go ahead. You guys. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for him because he can learn under Joe Flacco. He won't get the blank pounded out of him the first couple of years and ruin a career like they do to some young quarterbacks. So I think it's a good situation. He lost a lot of money, you know, on Thursday and Friday, but um, I think he'll. I think he'll still be fine. I have a feeling that they'll be calling for uh, Drew Locke pretty early Sooner in the season. Uh, because Joe Flacco, his day, his best days are behind oh, him. Yeah. So we don't know what he's going to look like in Denver. And those Denver fans are not patient people. And they're going to be, uh, I think they'll be cheering for Drew Locke to get into the game. I, I just think he's got so many tools and he's got so much. And I know, you know, people have said, oh, how's he performing the big games and this? And and that's that's another discussion. I got right? some stats well, here. Yeah, well, well, the MVP of the National Football League, Patrick Mahomes, didn't beat a top 25 team his entire collegiate career either. And, you know, the, you know what the thing was interesting is they talked about Locke's, the size of his hands being a factor in him dropping. He's a size nine. And that's what Jared Goff has, is a size nine. Uh, it is just crazy. Really? Yeah. What we'll else see. is that it? What else were you hearing knows why he's dropped? I don't know. I mean, I, look, the week before on Friday on Get Up, the ESPN mm -hmm. program, it was Todd McShay saying he's going 10 to Denver. Kuiper had him 11 to 15 in that range. And then all of a sudden, he drops to the 40s. I can't believe those teams at the end, especially the Patriots. I thought the Patriots would take him with that last pick, groom him behind Brady. Because they got to see that day coming eventually, but I guess Locke wasn't good enough for them to do that. I can't believe it. Um, I think he's going to, you know, and I felt I, you could come back and say, okay, Gabbert, what about that? Because I thought Gabbert had some good tools as well, but I really think Locke is suited to do good things in the league. Yeah, don't and, you think that he is better than Blaine Gabbert? Oh, yeah. 
I've, I, yeah. It's just yeah, it's a little do. bit more touch, a little more finesse, throws a deeper ball better. It's, it's the four to five inches between yeah. the ears. That, and not that there's any, I don't have anything negative about Gabbard at all, but Locke has shown such maturity. And I think the commitment to coming back, learning under Dooley, all these things that he shows that, hey, I can pick up this style or that. And it wasn't like he had just a phenomenal, you know, group of athletes around him. Mizzou was good, but I mean, you know, you know compared hate, to some of the teams. Yeah. And I hate they were kind of all the sympathy for him, but let's not forget. He's 22. He's making millions. He's a good-looking guy. He's playing in the NFL. He'll do all His right. life is just fine. <laughs> you know? Michael Porter Jr. and Drew Locke in yeah. Denver yeah, now hanging yeah. out. That's kind of cool. Uh, a lot of local guys getting drafted here. I just have a couple on this list. Terry Beckner Jr., Sutton Smith, Austin Seibert from Belleville West, and uh, who was the guy from Parkway? Frank, wasn't there another guy? Yeah, there was. There was uh, there was one or two other people. What do you think this says about the local football talent? So, yeah, talent? I was going to ask you about that, Frank. I mean, you've talked a lot about the basketball talent that's coming out of St. Louis. How's the football talent? Well, it's pretty good. I mean, we're not turning out, like, first-round draft choices, but every year we seem to get about four or five in the area. And I think it's all because of these great youth programs and these guys, like, committing to football almost like 12 months a year and just becoming, just maxing out skill and strength-wise. I think it's really the youth football in this town is just off the charts good. Terry Beckner Jr., top recruit in America when he came out of East St. Louis, goes in the seventh round. I, that's got to be a little disappointing, right? Back-to-back ACLs. That's yeah. very tough. It's the kind injuries. of a Robbie Fabry thing. Yeah. I mean, he's got to get a chance to play in league. He'll well, be in I, our studio, by the way, tomorrow at 3 He is one of the strongest guys I've ever seen play in person. He just throws people around. So I think he could really uh, make an impact there. I thought the story that you had on uh, Sutton Smith, uh, out of Howell, going to Northern Illinois, I thought his story was great, Frank. I mean, a guy that's, again, out to show the world what he can do. And the highlights that you were showing from him, pretty yeah. amazing. His dad was texting me as he started to slip to the sixth round. He goes, I'll tell you what. Somebody's going to get a steal here today. Yeah. Where do you so. think? I mean, he's pretty small. Where do you think they're going to put him? Well, he's one of those pass rushing specialists that we now have in the league that weigh like two fifty. That not truly a defensive end, not truly a linebacker. You know, just kind of a mix. Did you want to touch on Emmanuel Hall? Yeah. So that's the Mizzou other guy. thing. You know, I, I'm sitting there waiting, and you're thinking, you know, you're seeing him at the top talent available, and you know, again, whether it's you know injury concern or whatever, for him to to fall off and and wind up. He fortunately he signed with the Bears, and yeah. I, as a Bear guy, you know, <laughs> no, Bears. Uh, no, I'm excited for that. But he's going to have his work cut out because they've got a pretty good young receiving core that they're building around. But he again, as an undrafted, you know, signing, he's he's got a shot to be something again. He, he's, he's just got to stay healthy. Yeah. yeah, he's terrific when he's stay healthy. on the field, yeah. and he's he's awesome. He's a and you said he was just absolutely setting some things on fire at the combine. Oh, he had I forget which I don't know if it was just like his broad jump or something. He set a combine record in in one of the skills. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So he's uh, he's definitely one to watch out for. Let's go to Cardinals. Yes. Um, so first thing I got here is just the roller coaster of Marcelo Zuna. That's just what comes to my mind every time I who watch needs, a game. Who needs Christian Yelich when you've got Marcelo Zuna? He's much more entertaining in the fact you never know what you're going to see from this guy. And then I hadn't even thought about this. He's only the third player in history to have 10 home runs for the Cardinals yeah, before P- May 1st. Pujols and McGuire, McGuire. the others. Yeah. McGuire's 1998 season. That just yeah. seems... Incredible, based on like every other night Listen, we're showing he, a low he light. Is play, he is playing. He is playing great, and uh, you know it, it. 
when he went into this year after last year, which was a big disappointment, the fact that he was playing for his contract life, the fact that he was going to be a free agent, uh, you knew he was inspired to do something, and he's doing it. And he makes that lineup so much. When you've got a strong Marcelo Zuna, a Zuna from a couple of years ago in that lineup, that lineup becomes so much better. You know, you said you never know what you're going to get. The one thing that I know you're going to get every single at bat, he is not going to waste his swing. Oh, you no. don't see you don't see him just kind of waving at that no. pitch. I mean, he's it's like out of his shoes. You know, what he might miss it by a foot, but I mean when he misses it is ugly. Shoes. But yeah. yeah. And he's got twenty six RBIs in twenty seven games. It's impressive. Yeah, you take this homestand too, he scores ten runs in nine games. Yeah. He's just off the yeah. charts. The arm's looking a little better too. He had yeah, a nice throw the other night. Talked about that today, or yesterday. What did he say? Uh, well, that it's getting a little stronger yeah. each day and he's a little less fearful about letting it all hang out. Well so and he not, like a couple of weeks ago, after that Pittsburgh series, when it was really cold, he came back and he was telling us in the locker room how he just hates playing in the cold weather and feels like he can't do everything he wants to do. So as it warms up, kind of like, I think Matt, Matt Holiday, every year he started slow. And then when it got warmer and warmer, it seemed like he was just better and better. And I think we might see well, that. Well, if Azuna's getting better and better, right, already. it's going to be an unbelievable year. Th- yeah, he's his average 264 right now with an OPS. You know, you take his on-base plus slugging at at 1,010. I mean, that's that's crazy to have that big of a, of a disparity. You know, I mean, obviously he's crushing with the home runs. But the other thing is you look at his defense, and everybody's been down. <laughs> of course, there was the acrobatic play <laughs> off the wall that wasn't. But, you know, I was watching Sunday afternoon. He covered a tremendous amount of ground. I think he's deceptively able to cover some more ground than maybe people think because he's such a big guy. But, yeah. you know, he, well, he's somebody thought he was Somebody thought he was good <laughs> before he got here because he won a gold, gold glove. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, again, I think that was for center field at the time maybe, or was it left? No, he no was I think it was left Yelich was playing center. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any way you think he's back next year? I mean, coming into this, coming into this year, I would have said no way. I don't know if he wants to be. I don't know if the maybe Cardinals if are willing to. Maybe it was 95-5 going well, in. Maybe it's 85-15. Yeah. There's a long way to go yeah. this yeah. season. And, and I mean, you know, the person who's supposed to replace him, and, uh, replace him is Tyler O'Neill, And we, we, we don't know what we have in Tyler yet. So um, we'll, we'll see. And I think, again, with the questions about Bader, you know, Bader's got this amazing defensive ability, and he's covering ground, making things happen on the bases, but you got to hit over 200. Well, and you can't <laughs> – you cannot – mess with this lineup right now. Right. I mean, everybody is performing. So and the manager is trying to be as diplomatic as possible. He's not going to come out like tomorrow or before the game in Washington and say, I'd just like to make an announcement, Harrison Bader is no longer a starting outfielder. We all know that. He knows that. You're not benching three, 343 hitting Jose Martinez. He's right. got to play every day until proven otherwise. And you look and at Fowler's Fowler. playing great. Yeah, he's Fowler's, a And he's playing a good center field. Yeah. Yeah. He is playing good center field. You take a look, and, and I pulled, and I don't want to get too stat headish on you guys, but I was taking a look at the war. Do you know what Fowler's war is already this season? 1.6. Well, I saw 1.2. That okay. was from Fangraphs today. But, you know, DeYoung is at 2.0. And then, as far as I could tell, I think Fowler was next highest at 1.2. I know. Uh, you know, I was looking at Goldie and a few others. There's some folks that are getting starting to get up there. But the bottom line is Fowler has really been playing well. You don't, you got I mean, you don't take any of those guys out of the lineup right now because no it's it's working. So we talked about this last week, Mike, Frank, and I. Craig, who's your most impressive guy so far this year? If you guys aren't loving Paul DeYoung, 
I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. Was that the consensus? That's feeling? who I. We all talked well, about. Well, we talked about different, different, yeah. different people. We talked you know, about we talked Fowler. About we talked about Ozuna. So, so Fowler's probably the one that I think has probably outperformed what most of you know the fan well, base. Everybody here was ready Lewis, to yeah. trade him for nothing. You know, and and you see him with the bounce in his step. Just even the way he's position. He's so much more settled at the plate. He just, you know, he looks like Dexter Fowler again. And, and as I awesome. said last week, just because of his personality, and as Frank has talked about this before, when you've got a happy Dexter Fowler, that really helps the chemistry of the clubhouse because he's just got this magnetic personality. He smiles a lot, and people are yeah. kind of drawn Which, to him. But the key to the season is the guy who pitched today, Jack Flaherty. For yeah. sure. Because with Miles Michaelis maybe regressing and Adam Wainwright being 37 and Carlos being hurt, you have to have a number one starter. And he looked like a number one starter today. I think, uh, back to Fowler... I don't think anybody. I think Fowler and Wong have benefited more than anybody from Mike Schilt. It just seems like they're different under him. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or they know they're going to be in there every day or what it what it is. But those two just look like different players. And so think. previous manager's defense: when Colton Wong's hitting 170, it's tough to trot him out there. Yeah. When Jed Jerko's coming off a 30 home run That's season. That's true. So let me get your take on this. All right, we have a new hitting coach. Jeff Albert comes in, right, and he's working with these guys. All of a sudden. Wong, I mean, you know, he's cooled off since the hot start, but he's still, you know, getting his occasional hits. You take a look at DeYoung's approach is much better. You don't see him chasing, you know, the sliders. You don't see But he's him. also healthy. That helps. Well, that's a big deal. That's yeah. a big deal. But his approach at the plate is much better. I think we're starting to see some improvements with, you know, O'Neal. And I think a lot of these guys, I think when they first started off, we had that rough start for the first, you know, week or whatever it was so much up in Milwaukee. But do you guys think – that, that that's been a, a positive influence well, as I remember far. in spring training when they weren't hitting at all, people were ready to yeah. throw Jeff Albert <laughs> off a cliff. Yeah. But <laughs> but they also said you've got to give it time to work. And I'm just wondering if you're hearing anything, Frank, or, or Corey, you know, if you're I hearing anything. I do think the most the overrated position in professional sports hitting is the hitting coach, coach yeah. in Major League Baseball. So. That's the guy that takes the hit if the team, yeah, yeah is It's usually. not like, you know, John Mabry didn't get there at, you know, 11 o'clock in the afternoon and work like a dog to try to help these guys. I don't know. It's, look, I know there's different philosophies, and maybe this guy's working right now, but it's uh, it's up to the player. We have a healthy Paul DeYoung. We have Colton Wong, who gets to play every day. We have Dexter Fowler, who's not battling depression. I think that has more to do with their seasons. I, I agree, but I also think we saw a lot of guys that were chasing a lot of really crappy pitches, and they looked like they were just guessing and, and whatever. And, again, that may have been a product of a whole mess that was going on that you know maybe not everybody's privy to or whatever. But they do look more settled. And again, DeYoung, not only on the not only on the offensive side, but on the defense as well. I mean, that guy, what who he's else? Solid. Do, yeah, I mean, what more could you ask? Not he's, much. He's looking Nothing. great. Let's get to some news that actually just happened today on Sunday when we're recording this. Alex Reyes, uh, oh, another God. setback. He had a bad start at Memphis. He punched the wall, I think is the report, with his uh, with his non-throwing hand, broke his pinky. Probably going to be out for a month. He can still throw, but they're going to send him to Jupiter, and he's not going to pitch in actual games. Do we think we're going to see – it's just another setback. Do we ever think we're going to see the Alex Ray as we were thinking we were going to see when he was coming up? Well, Craig and I were discussing this <laughs> in between commercial breaks uh, during the Sunday 5 p.m. newscast. Um, 
he's more of a glass half full kind of right. guy. I need uh, I need to uh, buy guy, a guy to play the tuba and walk around right. behind Mike and go blomp, blomp, blomp. I am Come not on. convinced that we'll ever see the Alex Reyes that we were kind of hoping for. I'm just not convinced that he's going to be all right. I, I mean, I'm just I'm not. And uh, I mean, it seems like every time we think he's taking a step forward, he takes two steps backward. And so, you know, I mean, for him to do what he did after the situation that he is in, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I agree. You're talking about two season ending injuries. You're talking about his baby daughter having cancer. And now this thing, which will, you know, the next time we'll see him would be in July, best case scenario out of the bullpen. So I I don't know if he's going to be a factor this year. I still think, you know, he's 24 and he really is a nice kid who cares and works hard. Yeah. Who's got incredible talent? Yeah, yeah. so I, I mean, I'm but, not betting against. But him. but Craig has him pegged for the starting rotation before the end of the year, I, and I'm, I'm saying no you. way. <laughs> no I am telling you, I think the plan you stretch him out with the safety. You can control pitch counts. You can do all that stuff down at the camp in Jupiter. And if we have a need, and who knows? Again, it's going to depend. What's Walker look like? He's coming back tomorrow. Hopefully, yeah. he's fine. You know, is Wayno still able to do what he's doing later in the season? I just think that that this could be, in some small way, a blessing, and that they won't be able to rush him into the bullpen, and and it gives him more time to to cook and to see how things go. I'm not I'm not as bullish as Mike would project <laughs> that I would have, but I do. You know, I'm still optimistic. The guy's stuff is just. Unbelievable. He just needs to does not have a Cy Young vote. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is the thing that worries me most about the Cardinals is their starting pitching. Uh-huh. Frank, Frank just went through it. I mean, Jack Flaherty is still young, pitched great today. Hopefully that continues, but there will be ups and downs. We know mm-hmm. that. Is Miles Michaelis, is he going to regress? Because if he does, that's a problem. I don't think there's any way Adam Wainwright for him to be like 37. What are we going to get from him? Sometimes he looks like the old Adam Wainwright. But we know the history of that, and we're not so confident that that's going to continue. Michael Waka, can he stay healthy? Dakota Hudson, not sure what we have there. I mean, to me, if they're really serious about being a contender and and go get Keiko, (laughs) they're not going to, but that's what I would do. Yeah. Hmm. Let's do some revisionist history here to wrap up this episode. There's a lot of Cardinals out there who have kind of been killing it for their other teams over the end of last Luke year, <laughs> the start of this year. Luke Voigt. Would you want? That's the first guy on here. Would you I'm want good. any? You couldn't use Luke Voigt. Not anymore. Because he can't right. play the outfield, and you yeah. have a fellow named Paul Goldschmidt at first. Right, but before we got Goldschmidt, I mean, if you would have known Voigt was producing like this, would you have? Paul's st- uh, Goldschmidt's still a safer bet. And Gold- uh, Goldie, I couldn't be happier that he's here. I yeah. love the man. I mean, I'm so happy that he's here. But I'm just saying, looking back. But you, I mean, you have to be impressed by oh, Boyd. He's he's just, and right now, he is single-handedly carrying that right, team because everybody's got all, hurt. Yeah, they got all the injuries. He's got 22 home runs You know who else I'd like to have? Games. Tommy Pham. That's the next guy on the list. <laughs> of all the guys on the list, that's the, Boyd, Pham, Piscotty, Gonzalez, Greg Holland. And so far, that looks like the worst trade, I think. I just, uh, I never understood that trade. Yeah. I just think they just, you know, he was pretty outspoken, and I just th- th- think the Cardinals didn't like that, and so they found a way Yeah, I mean, to, I like Dexter Fowler, but Tommy Pham's numbers, and he's a better defender. Oh, Tommy, Tommy Pham makes that lineup even better than it is already. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting ones here is Marco Gonzalez, especially since we haven't seen from Tyler O'Neill really, a whole lot yet. Gonzalez is 5-0 and this year for the Mariners. 
2.80 ERA. He has the most innings pitched in baseball, which the Cardinals could su- certainly use right now. And they could use a left-hander, and too. And he's fifth in pitcher war. That Gonzalez for O'Neill trade. But I have think? to say, when they made that trade, I, I mean, I thought, I loved it. I thought it was a great trade, so, and I thought Marco Gonzalez may be another, you know, Bud Smith or something along those lines. I, d- I didn't think he was going to be what he is, so. And you know, it's still early on O'Neill too. I mean, yeah. you know, let's see, let's let's give O'Neill a season and see how he does. He was drafted by Dan Kantrovitz, who's now running the Oakland A's. And I remember as soon as he drafted Gonzalez, and he said he had a breaking pitch like Michael Waka, and he was going to be special. And then he did win a couple of games in the same postseason, but you just kind of felt, eh, I don't know. And well, now, and there were so many other. I mean, you yeah. had other guys that. Well, were, yeah, they have so many arms. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what Weaver does as well, you know, with that yeah. trade. And again, who wouldn't do that trade right now? I'd still do it again. To yeah. get Goldie in here is awesome. But I think Weaver may settle in to be a decent pitcher as well. So Last one, <laughs> just because it feels like we're getting ripped off. Greg Holland has five saves and a 0.00 ERA in eight games what for the, the Diamondbacks. What, what, what the heck is that? <laughs> I know. How right? do you explain that? Hey, yeah, the moral to the story is have a spring training if yeah. you're a closer. Yeah. That, yeah. Maybe that's why the Cardinals are hesitant. Maybe they're having internal oh, conversations yeah. about Kimbrell and Keuchel, but yeah, yeah, Kim, Kimbrell could be Holland two for the Cardinals. yeah, but they could have a spring training for Keuchel and then and bring him up in July. In fairness, hello, you know Jordan Hicks is the second most saves in the National League. I mean, he's doing he's doing pretty well. Closer is not a weakness with this club for sure. All right, that's going to wrap up episode three of the Sports Plus podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Come back next week.